said, do not let your hearts be troubled. If it were only that easy, right? But he said, do not let your hearts be troubled as he was preparing his disciples for his impending departure. His crucifixion, his death, and then his ascension that we just celebrated last week. Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. He expressed from his heart his love for his disciples and for us. He expressed and he encouraged them with words of peace and assurance. He had been with them for three years. And now he was leaving, but he tells them, that they will not be left alone. They would be spirit-led. We would be spirit-led. Alone and afraid. And they ask that age-old question, I'm sure. Where are you, Jesus? It's a question I hear in a number of different forms when I'm sitting with an individual or a family going through a crisis, a life change. Where are you, Jesus? And the biblical antidote for such anxiety is this wonderful teaching of the doctrine of the Trinity. Jesus said, don't worry, the Father will send the Spirit in my name. Now here's a, a little bit of insight into what we will remember and celebrate next week on Trinity Sunday because what Jesus is pointing us to is the very working and wonder of the Trinity. That we have a God who is active, a God who is present, a God who is right here in this world with us in all of its circumstances. The Father will send the Spirit in my name. It is a profound and almost incomprehensible thing for us to understand this truth about the triune God but I love Jesus' teaching in verse 27, where the Spirit is, says Jesus, there I am, and there the Father will be also. Our triune God. And where is that Holy Spirit? Right here. Alive and well and working. The Holy Spirit is in the very spoken word of God, of Christ. Ephesians 6 even reminds us that we in this world are to put on the armor of God. We need to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the very word of God. We cannot stand against this world and, and all of the devil's schemes and everything else that happens on our own. We need the very Spirit of God working in us in order to stand. At the center of our lives is meant to be this word. 
It is why we as Lutheran Christians have the Word at the very center of our worship. Last week when, well, two weeks ago, I guess now, time flies, when I was in Haiti, and I did a, a pastor's conference for the seminarians there at this Lutheran seminary. My, my session was about an hour and a little more, and then with interpretation, maybe two hours, and then I got three hours of questions. One of them was about just this, about the working of the Spirit. But my friends, in our worship, we are Christocentric. His Word, God's Word, right there at the very center of all we are and all we believe. But it's not just about our worship, at least not in this setting. It's about that Word being central to our daily lives. It's not just a nicety when we offer to you, you know, our portals of prayer or uh, the women's devotionals the ladies got on Mother's Day or next week the men will get another new devotional. It's about us learning that habit of being a follower, a disciple of Jesus, that we are molded and shaped in the Word of God. It's to be the very center of our lives. Jesus goes on to talk about this vital importance, that those who love Jesus in response to his love, he goes on to say, are to keep his word. So he says, anyone who loves me will keep my teaching. For the Apostle John, actually this is one of his favorite words. It shows up throughout the, the gospel, to keep. And it certainly includes the idea of obeying, but this word also includes the idea or the sense of guarding or treasuring. Like his mother Mary, who in the Gospel of Luke it says she treasured up all these things in her How about this? Change the reading of this verse to this. Anyone who loves me will treasure my teaching. And I think as those who are spirit-led, the role of the Holy Spirit that I believe God is calling us to recognize and celebrate and live under right now is that we would treasure up the teachings of our God. Treasure them for the precious gift that they are. The work of the Holy Spirit. It can be a bit confusing, right? I mean, there's a multitude of different names for the Holy Spirit, and He shows up in different ways. The Spirit appears as a dove, as tongues of fire, again as a loud rushing wind, in other places as a quiet whisper. It's enough for you, for you to want to say, would the real Holy Spirit please stand up? And yet, I kind of like that diversity because it somewhat aligns to a God who meets us where we are. Sometimes I need that loud rushing wind to get my attention, kind of like a two-by-four sometimes. And other times in the midst of despair or something, I just need the whisper of God in my ear. 
And yet the Bible does provide us some very clear and helpful information about the Spirit and what He does for us as believers. Over and over again in the Gospel of John, as we read here also in John 14, Jesus uses this unique word to describe the work of the Spirit, paraclete, parakletos. Now you've heard it, but what's interesting is this can be uh, translated in a number of different ways. Helper, advocate, comforter. My favorite? Counselor. Counselor. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, says Jesus. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said. The idea of a, a good counselor is to help us to get back on track, to point us in the right direction. Not so much to be an answer man or woman, but to give us that direction. The work of the Holy Spirit is not about himself. The work of the Holy Spirit is always about pointing us to Jesus, the one who's our only hope, our only way to, through this life and into life that is everlasting. Jesus says, I'm going away, but don't worry. Don't let your hearts be troubled. I'm leaving behind for you and for Christians of all times a helper, a counselor, free of charge, the Holy Spirit, the world's best counselor. In our uh, catechism, our little instruction book, as that translated means, our Lutheran doctrines and teachings. We are taught that the Holy Spirit calls us and enlightens us in the one true Christian faith. We also know from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that we are taught that no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, that's why sometimes you might have heard over the years that you know, we're, Lutherans don't believe in decision theology because I or you on our own cannot by our own reason, strength, or intellect somehow identify and say, I believe. It is only by the very presence and spirit of God in, of himself who can move us and point us to the Savior and lead us to be able to believe. Treasure up. <laughs> so anybody ever read something in here you didn't understand? <laughs> How about even in the past two days, right? It happens. It's why my personal study ends up being with my study Bible, because even after all these years, you, you get phrases, you get words, you, you get teachings that just don't right away connect or resonate. I love again the gift of the treasure of the Holy Spirit who again points us to be enlightened, to understand. I need the Holy Spirit to, and that's why as I do my own reading and study, often my beginning prayer is, Lord, send your Spirit upon me 
that he might take the scales off of my eyes and my heart that I might understand. And I am also praying not only that I would understand, but that he would guide me to find application. Because the word is not just for the sake of the word itself, and it's like, well, that was nice, and then I go running off to the rest of my day. The idea is that word is molding us, shaping us. And that then leads us to the third role of the Holy Spirit, still at work in you and me, and that is to sanctify us, to make us holy, to make us more like Jesus. And the more we understand what he's called us to, the more we take that and bring its application into our lives by the work of the Holy Spirit, the more sanctified, the more holy, the more Christ-like we become, the more Spirit-led we are. The more Spirit-led we are. You know, we're not meant to be the same. The Lord says through Paul how we are new creations. We have been metamorphosized. Is that truly a word? I think it is. I know what to meta, you know, metamorphosis is, but metamorphosized? We're not the same people. God's Spirit is here working in His Word in our baptism. God's Spirit is still molding, shaping us into the people of God we've been called to be. And He's not done with any one of us yet. Treasure. Treasure up these things, His Word. And treasure the Holy Spirit who points us over and over again back to that Word. One of the things that uh, the Holy Spirit does in that process of calling, I just want to back up for a moment, is that of convicting us of our sin. He reveals to us that law of where we've failed, where we've stumbled, where we've gone our own way and not God's way, where we've not lived according to His commandments, His word, His will. And I have a feeling that's probably his hardest job. Now, I know he's God, but you ever had the word kind of confront you and you're like, yeah, but, but I like it, but I don't think it's that bad. Everybody else is doing it. You know, it's not just our kids who say that, right? You know? There was a pastor, uh, actually he wrote a, a book of children's sermons, Eldon Weishite, I think was his name, and he has one where he talks about how one day he was doing a, a children's sermon. He was holding up these signs, and every time one of those applied to a child, he said, raise your hand. So there was one that said tall, and a boy raised his hand, and one that said short, and another little girl raised her hand, and another one said smart, and you know, several raised their hands. You know, and, and he kept going through all of these different you know, things like that. And then he held up one that said guilty. And no one raised their hand. And he said, come on, somebody? And nobody would raise it. And finally one little boy grabbed his brother's hand and held it up. <laughs> and, and, and I'm thinking, yeah, that sounds pretty real, right? We love to point the finger. 
the reality is that's each and every one of us. A treasure, a treasure of the Holy Spirit who's pointing us to understand again our need, our sin, and point us to the one who is the provision, who is our Savior. In uh, our, our reading, finally, uh, Jesus has this reference to the ruler of the world, translated the devil. And he points to this contrast between the world and followers of Jesus, as he did earlier in this uh, chapter uh, 14 of John. But what I want you to note is how in John 3.16, we have that same word, for God so loved the world. We need to remember that the world is a continuing object, object of God's love. And you and I are in the world, and sadly at times even of the world, but we are his objects of love. He treasures us. And with that in mind, he has provided for us this gift of Pentecost, of sending His Spirit to call us to faith, the Spirit to enlighten us, the Spirit to sanctify us, the Spirit to also keep us in the one true faith. Because what if His disciples, what if we forget the words of Christ, the teaching of Christ? Well, that again is that work of the Spirit. As a Spirit-led people, He seeks us points us again back to that forgiveness and life that is ours in him. And so today we rejoice that our God continues to do these things for us by the power of the Spirit working through word, his sacrament, and as Spirit-led people. Let us pray. The Holy Spirit... We thank you for abiding with us and through the waters of our baptism and in your holy word that you are here. Today we pray asking you to shine upon us, to convict us of our sins and to cleanse us of those sins, to comfort us and to dwell within us, reigning in our hearts and our lives. Yes, we praise you and thank you that we are a spirit-led people. May we honor you and serve you as your sanctified, holy, and forgiven people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.